All right. Well, Merry Christmas. Glad, glad to have you here with us Christmas Day. Um, you know, this is actually the first time we've had Christmas Day, I believe. I know we had it right before we moved out of the school. Well, we didn't get to do it on Christmas Day because we were in a school and they don't open schools on Christmas Day, uh, believe it or not. And um, so we had our we had Christmas Eve the next year, I think, started on Christmas Day. Or excuse me, that doesn't make any sense, does it? Sunday was on Christmas Eve. So nevertheless, uh, we're delighted to have you today and hope you've had a great Christmas. You know, uh, we, had, we had a great one this morning. Uh, I have young children, and uh, we had a special time today. My wife does this big scavenger hunt. We were going to find things from Santa and Jesus and parents, and so we're doing all these things. And uh, so it was a special time. The kids enjoyed it. Uh, had had a special time. We had a special time. We did last night the Christmas story and walked through that, and it was really neat. The, the kids usually, when I read the Bible, don't really have any questions. They have a lot of questions, and so we went through every facet of uh, who in the world is Quinarius and. And uh, what is a registry anyway? What does it mean to get registered? And uh, so we talked about the draft. But no, no seriously, <clears throat> um, we just kind of walked through that, and it was a special time. Uh, and then they were they were all pleased, you know, this morning. But but I remember a time when I was younger, and my mom and dad are here this morning. I don't know if they remember this, but I remember a time when I was pretty young, probably six or seven. And there were some kids around us that had mini bikes, and motorcycles, and and I wanted uh, a mini bike, motorcycle, if you want to call it. And um, I must have been seven, and I'm, you know, obviously I was old enough to own a motorcycle at that point, and uh, and so I wanted one, and I really believed that Santa would bring me one. I, and I kept telling my mom, "Well, you don't, you don't have." They said, "We're not going to get you one." I said, "Well, I'm asking Santa. Um, you know, Santa's going to get me one." And so. I even prayed about Santa. I didn't know how else to communicate to him. Uh, I was trying to get this mini bike, this motorcycle that I wanted, and and you know what happened. It didn't come. And I was mad. I was thinking about this morning. I was mad. I remember we went to my Aunt Alice, who actually lived um, really on the other end of the world. I mean, it was actually, and even in Louisiana, it was on the other end of the world. It's down a dirt road. It seemed like about eight or nine miles after you've been on a rural road for about 20 miles and, and we lived in the country. I mean, but like, they, she, it was one of those, you go down a dirt road literally for seven or eight miles, and when you come to the end, there's her house. <laughs> you know, and so for a kid, there just wasn't a lot to do if, you know, you didn't like to walk around in the creek and uh, spot birds or kill birds or whatever it is you did when you were a kid. And, and I just remember that trip being so long because I didn't get in my motorcycle. And I was mad. I wasn't talking. Did you like this? No, I was just mad. I had a bad attitude about Christmas. I was angry about Christmas. Isn't it funny today, as adults, some people still have a bad attitude about it. Not not the gift-giving aspect, but some people still feel the need to stomp kind of Christmas out. It's the holiday season, and it's okay as long as you mention Jesus. You actually can say Christmas, but you have to be singing it, like um, then one foggy Christmas Eve. If you're singing a song like Rudolph, then it's permissible, okay? If it sounds fun, you can say the word Christmas, um, you know, but if not, it just makes some people mad. And what's interesting is we read through Scripture. We're not going to read all of it uh, today. We saw the story right there. But in Matthew chapter 1, uh, as 
we see the story of Jesus. But after he had considered this speaking of Joseph, the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And Joseph, the son of David, uh, did not was said, do not be afraid, Mary, to take home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is the Holy Spirit. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save the people from their sins. Isn't it interesting? Have you ever thought about why would you be mad at somebody who came to save you from your sins? Do you know what? Some people don't want to be saved from their sins. They're pretty happy with their sins. And the thought of having somebody that saves me or convicts me or even makes me recognize that there is sin in my life is not really appealing. Matter of fact, I'm more in control if I think someone like that doesn't exist and it has no authority or that it's just a fairy tale. Matter of fact, it just kind of makes me mad when you mention it. See, that's the reason that he came. This is his whole entire purpose. It took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and the child will be born and the son will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then you go on through the story and you see the, the story of the Magi. We're not real sure who these guys were, but we know they were from the east. Uh, we know that they were astronomers. They were ones who studied the stars. They had apparently access to some of the writings of Daniel and some of the prophecies of Daniel. They would have been astronomers who studied a lot of different, uh, a lot of different uh, information and a lot of scholastic information about the stars and about prophecies. And so somehow, through God's divine providence, they come about the prophecies of Daniel. And they know that there's a star coming in. And they've been studying the stars and this star has appeared that they've not seen before. It's appeared and it's never been on the map before. And they've looked through their history and it's never been existent. And so they think, surely this is the star. And so they begin to follow it. And you know the story, they find themselves before Herod. And Herod pretends like he's really interested in what they're about to find. They said, you know, we're, we're following the star because the promised one is going to be there, the, the Messiah, the, the Savior. And Herod thinks to himself, I don't like that. I don't want someone to save the people nor save me. Matter of fact, I want to be in control. Herod, although he does not demonstrate that to him, inwardly he is very angry about someone who might be a savior, someone who might be a master, someone who might actually be the Messiah. If that's true, I might not be able to control everything. I might not be in complete control of my life and have everything the way I want. That makes me angry. So he tells the Magi, go and find him and come back and tell me so that I can worship him too. The ultimate hypocrisy. But you know the story. The angel comes to Joseph and said, you must go another direction. And you must go to Egypt. And then he also, the, the wise men are, are warned to also go a different direction. And Herod is angry. So angry that he takes it out on the town of Bethlehem in a horrendous way. Some people, when they hear the name Jesus, it makes them mad. You know why? Because in our sin nature, 
the last thing that we want is anyone to be in control of us or for anything to have any dictation over what our future might be. The last thing we want to do is deal with our stuff at our core. Because that takes a pretty brave soul. That takes admitting that I got something wrong and that I need help. And in this case, that I need eternal help. I need eternal forgiveness. Well, then the next one. Although there's not an innkeeper mentioned, we know that from Luke chapter 2, when they went to the inn, there was no room for them. We also know that there were religious leaders of the day that heard about this message when they were around Herod, and it seems that their response was one of ambivalence or whatever. Okay, we're not that really interested. We don't care. We don't believe. And that's the way some people respond today. I just don't. It's not that big a deal. You know, I've heard people, I've heard religions before. Whatever. And they just try to ignore it and just move on. It doesn't really make me angry. I just don't want to hear about it. You see both of those today. You know people that get mad when you say the name of Jesus? Do you know people that just go, when you mention the name of Jesus, the real meaning of Christmas, just kind of zone out. It's not new. But then there were those who celebrated it. You know why? It was shepherds who had a hard life. It's Mary and Joseph who are poor and been, have been given a tough lot in life. And it just looks like obstacle after obstacle has appeared before them. The shepherds, no one gave them any respect. They were kind of the low, the low class on the totem pole. They were excited. They had a hope about one day a Messiah, a Savior who would come and who would deliver them and give them life. Matter of fact, we celebrate the Advent candle. I say we celebrate the Advent candle. We use the Advent candle as a part of our celebration. And we've lit one each week. The first one we lit was the was the candle of hope. Hope. Today, when we talk about hope, we usually mean it like this. I hope the Cowboys win. And then we're disappointed. Because a lot of times they don't. Especially when it's a big deal. So we hope they win next week. But how many of you would say, I'll give 10 to 1 odds on that one. Matter of fact, I'll give you $100. Uh, if they, they lose, I'll give you $100. Who would take that deal? Matter of fact, just tell me I'll take it. You know, I'll take your money. All right. <clears throat> but we, I hope the Cowboys win. That's all you can do. It's just a wish. Okay. I, I don't know how you can have a lot of confidence in that. But see, that's not biblical hope. Biblical hope is this. It's confident expectation. I know it's coming. I know it's going to occur. And I believe it with every bit of the fabric that I possess in my body. I, I know today. Uh, I'm going to eat a good meal. I have hope. I hope that happens. And I have good reason to believe because I saw the food before I left. All right. So I have confident expectation. Unless one of you catch me and just tie me down, I'm going to have some great food today. All right. So I got confident expectation. I've got hope. And that's the hope that the shepherds had. The hope that some people have that Jesus will return again. The next candle we lit was that of peace. 
The word peace, it doesn't just mean I got a peaceful, easy feeling and I know you won't let me down because I'm always, I'm already standing on the ground. Okay. The eagles, it's not that kind of peace. <laughs> raise your, raise your hand if you haven't ever heard that song. <laughs> That's right. Okay. I see the 28 year old in the back of the two children. All right. <clears throat> That's great about this crowd. Last night, I, nobody would have known that song, but nevertheless, um, it's not that kind of peace. The peace that the Bible talks about is literally like the peace between two countries who are at war and they sign a peace treaty that they will no longer be at war. We signed a peace treaty with Germany um, s- several decades back and we're no longer at war with them. Matter of fact, we uh, align with them on certain things. We used to be at war with England and now they're one of our greatest allies. There's not an animosity. There's a willingness to work together and see before we recognize Christ as Savior, we're at war with God because we're saying, no, I want to be God. I'm going to be in control. We are not at peace with him. But through Jesus and our receiving of him, we're giving peace. The next one was a candle of joy. Joy. You know what joy is? Joy is when confident expectation meets reality. It's when confident expectation, something that I really hoped for, I really had faith in, I believed, I knew it was going to happen, and it happened. And it's great, okay? I mean, I knew this was going to happen, and I'm so excited. My, my kids this morning, you know, they had certain things that they dreamed of, and they had asked, and they were so confident. And when they woke up this morning, they experienced it, and there was this big joy on their face, and they enjoyed it, and therefore their father and their mother enjoyed it. The joy that we have in knowing that one day, we may not feel it right now in our difficult circumstances, but we know this, we have a hope that one day we will experience the joy. My son and daughter, and particularly my little three-year-old girl, sometimes will come up and just give me, she goes, Dad, I want to give you a little kiss. And she'll give me a little kiss on cheek. Little kiss. I said, what about a big kiss? I'm going to give you a big kiss later. <laughs> a big kiss later. And so later on, if I've acted right, I guess, uh, for whatever reason, she goes, okay, Daddy, are you ready for a big kiss? And I said, I'm ready for a big kiss, honey. And she comes, she wraps her arms around me, gives me a big kiss on the face. And, and slobbery. And, um, and it's great. It's great. And she said, I love you, Daddy. That's what the next advent is. Today, you know what we're getting? We're getting just a glimpse. We're just getting a little kiss as we celebrate Christmas today, as we celebrate the birth of our Savior, and as we hope with confident expectation that one day we will experience the full joy, just as the shepherds did, the full joy of God being with us, Emmanuel. The next candle we did last week was the love candle. The love candle that demonstrated the love for us, that God so loved us that He demonstrated His love for us that while we we're still sinners, Christ died. But also John 3:16, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe it in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The greatest love that's ever been shown in all of mankind. For those of us who were against Him, who didn't want a leader, who, who didn't want control of our life, who didn't really believe, who didn't have hope, who didn't have peace. 
salvation has been granted to today, the Christ candle. The purity that we experience, the rightness before God, that we might know joy, peace, hope, and love because of the Christ, the salvation that has been granted to us and has been given to us this day. We can be like the shepherds and experience the joy. We don't have to be angry because we know Christ. We have confident expectation, regardless of the circumstances that we're going through today, that one day all will be made right. And today is a little glimpse of that. Today is a little little kiss. We don't have to be ambivalent and go, it's Christmas again. You know the service, I'll go. All right, honey, I'm, I'm with you. Let's go. Let's go. We don't have to be the innkeeper. We don't have to be those who just kind of passively just pass it off. There's something we kind of have to go through. It's another holiday. If we recognize this is a little kiss from Jesus, a little glimpse into who He is because He came, He lived, and He died, and He took our sins upon the cross. Picture that if that's where we are, then we're kind of like this tree. We're dead spiritually, but hey, it's Christmas time. Let's hang some ornaments on our dead spiritual life. You know what? I'm going to do something nice for somebody. I'm going to bake some cookies today. I'm even going to give. I'll put something in the offering plate or maybe I'll even go help someone. But yet, really, Christmas means nothing to me. Jesus means nothing to me. Then it's being a spiritual tree or a dead tree. By the way, this is a dead tree off our property. With we just hanging ornaments on it, and we can say, "Look at my ornaments," and people thinking, "Yeah, but your tree's dead." Did you not notice that it doesn't look right? It just they don't don't go together. Where are you from? <laughs> you know what I mean? I know you look good in the desert. I don't know, but nevertheless, the the tree of life or the Evergreen tree under the cross that represents the life that we've been given. Spiritually, we have been made new and permanently we've become a new creation. And as we adorn this tree, we are making eternal impact. This is Clean Water for Africa, one of the ministries we support. Families that are need in need here in the community. There are children that we're sponsoring. You know, a neat gift for Christmas that you might do is, matter of fact, we did this, uh, we did this, um, this morning. We were World Vision picking out some animals that we're buying, uh, for one of the children we're adopting and then just for some in, in general. But, uh, you could adopt a child and sponsor a child. For a little over $30 a month. And that's what that is. We're encouraging people. We want to be sponsoring a thousand children by 2015. That your spiritual tree is making an impact in the kingdom of God. You see, uh, that's what the shepherds understood. That's what the wise men understood. They came and they put their gifts before the tree of life, before Jesus, the light of the world. If they gave what little they had, if they gave Him worship... So, which tree describes your life today? Has there been that time where you've come and you've recognized your need for a Savior? When you think of Jesus, does it make you angry? Or do you just kind of blow it off? 
or he recognized we are experiencing a kiss of heaven, a little kiss. But one day for all of us who know him as Savior, we're going to experience the big kiss, the big hug that encompasses all pain and suffering that will redeem everything. And it's a reason that we celebrate today. Do you have that reason? Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this time together. I pray, Lord, that you would use this time, God, to minister grace to people who need to know you, that they would experience your grace and your forgiveness. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, let them know uh, today the importance of receiving you as Savior. God, we are so grateful and, Lord, we are so honored to experience the little kiss that you've given today in preparation for the big kiss and the big hug. God, if there's one that doesn't know you, would you enable them to bow before you and say, God, I recognize I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. and I've been hanging ornaments on my dead tree, but, Lord, I want to be alive at you. I want to know your grace and your forgiveness. I want to have that confident expectation that you are in charge of my future, that you've made peace between me and the holy God. Lord, I want you to come into my life and save me. If you've not done that, I invite you to do that at this time. And then share that with me or one of our staff before we leave. What a special day to do so. Father, we pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.